everybody. Hey guys, I'm back. What's up? It's Anna Roisman. And you know what this is. This is Unemployed with Anna Roisman, the podcast where we talk to my friends and professionals about the greatest jobs they ever had and how they lost them, how they deal with them, how they cope. It's the holidays right now. This episode's not coming out for a little while, but you'll probably guess that it is like December. It is cold. It is snowing. It is a depressing time. It's a hard time to be unemployed right now. So hopefully if you're out there and you don't have a job, you can empathize with us. I don't know. You'll, we'll make you feel better today. I'm very excited for our episode today. Uh, she's a very funny comedian. You may have seen her on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, or I don't know, maybe you follow all of your stand-up all around town. She's a Canadian turned New Yorker. Guys, I have Jess Solomon on. Hello. Hello. That's where I'm like, the crowd is going crazy. Yes. Can we put on a, we can put a laugh track on, right? I yeah, no, I mean a clapping track when I introduce all the guests. Please sit down. I, I would love that. Wow. Yeah. Please stop. <laughs> we have, have to seat. record. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here on the shittiest weather day we've had yet this year. I Yeah. It's snowy for sure, but you know, this is how it is in Canada. So there's no big deal. Exactly. It I was feels- saying Canadians are so proud. You're so proud of like, you know, we can handle weather. Yeah. Mean people, we can deal with all of it. <laughs> we can handle weather. I don't know about everything else. How long have you been here? Uh, three and a half years. Okay. Like steady living with a green card. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Um, thanks. But I did I did some exploratory trips the where you kind of date New York and you come down for a little bit and mm-hmm. um, see. Because it's not the same. No. Visiting and living here. No, visiting is amazing, I think. Yeah. I mean, hands down, I've never heard anyone complain about visiting. No, um, yeah. They're like the food and the energy and yeah, the arts and everything, the museums. <laughs> and then you move here and you're like, wait, why did I do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but is your wife from here? No. So we both uh, met in Montreal and um, she also grew up. I mean, I was born there. She got to Canada when she was 10. So okay. basically, and then we both moved here to New York um, together. Got it. Yeah. So brave. The Canadians moving she's, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm actually, she's the one that got the green card. She likes me to tell people because people assume it was me because I'm the white one, but uh, <laughs> and she's the Arab one, but she's the one that got it. And I'm here as That's her. It's really nice of you to give her credit yeah, on this. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully she'll listen to this yeah. episode um, and see that I really do tell people. But um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, my category of immigrant, immigrant is um, the dependent. So Ah. Yeah, which sounds a bit like a Matt Damon movie, I feel like. <laughs> Jess Solomon in The Dependent. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It has yeah. a good ring to it. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to have you on because, not because you're unemployed. I actually don't know. What is your employment status right now? Are you a freelancer? Or I, I just do comedy stuff. Full-time comedian. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Yay. It's hard. But yeah. 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 <laughs> it's fun to say it out loud, right? It Yeah, it feels it feels right. You so know? you are, we are freelancers in a way. Yeah. We're not like on someone's payroll. No, exactly. We're <laughs> self-employed is what I always put on every form. Self-employed, self-employed. comedian, which does sound like a ridiculous thing to Right. That sounds like we a, didn't go to school at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might as well not have. <laughs> right. At this point. Yeah. But you weren't always a self-employed comedian. You were a no, lawyer. I was a lawyer. So I did a lot of school. Lots, uh, a lot, yeah. a lot of school. I did the undergrad and the law school, mm-hmm. and um, and then I worked in uh, in the government in Canada, the our DOJ, okay. Department, Department of Justice, and uh, <laughs> I think people know what the DOJ. They is. need to know. Yeah, yeah I needed it. Okay, so thank okay. you. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of unemployed dummies listening to this show. Sure, so I don't, for sure. Just kidding. We're gonna pep you guys up. Yeah, and um, the. Uh, so I worked at the Department of Justice, and then I also uh, ended up working at the UN in um, in the Hague, which is in Holland, yeah, and at a war crimes tribunal, the one in particular that was set up for the former Yugoslavia. Wow. Um, sometimes when I when I went to LA on an early trip while I was still a war crimes lawyer, but thinking about uh, comedy, <laughs> I was at a bar and I said that I lived in the Hague and, or like I mentioned the Hague and this, this girl thought it was like a building, like just like a building where all the war criminals were, oh, wow. like didn't realize it was a city. So, um, oh, that's really yeah, funny. Yeah. I went to that UN which, in Holland. You, which UN? The, the I went, that tribunal or? 
Because there's a bunch of international courts in uh, mm. in The Hague. Listen, my parents, now at I a time know. when they wanted to brag about my career, it was like hard for them. I had to like write it down for my mother. I'm like, this is, because she's like the world court of human rights. I'm like, that's not a place. <laughs> <laughs> but she's so proud. Just let her say it. I know. Right? I'm like, okay, I'm at the world court of human rights. Yeah. Yeah. My mom walks around. She's like, do you, do you have the app on your phone for the game show? I'm like, mom, stop. We're in a store right now. Like you don't need to tell this person at the cashier to download this app. Yeah. But you know, they're proud. They're they proud. need something. I mean, with comedy, they don't have much for right. many years. But you were a war crimes lawyer. That is a very specific type of law. Mm-hmm. And then were you just like writing jokes like in between stuff oh when you had some free time and you're just like, you know, I'm I'm actually <laughs> a funny person. I'm going to, I'm going to abandon all of this soon. I mean, I didn't, I guess at some point I started, uh, writing down funny things that happened at work. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that the idea of comedy had gone so far in my head that I just had to do it. You know, I don't, I'm I'm really all or nothing. So I I was watching, luckily at the time when I was in The Hague, you could watch, you could like torrent uh, shows (laughs) illegally or whatever. Okay. Um, so I wasn't limited to just like Grey's Anatomy and Dutch or whatever Dutch programs right. were on TV. So I, I was watching a lot of The Office and a lot of The Daily Show. Okay. And The Daily Show at the time, it was like the heyday where everyone was like, oh my God, like satire is having such an impact. Like John Stewart had Tucker Carlson on and, um, or not had him on, but he like had him fired from Crossfire. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like there were, so I, I, I mean, this is like really like the, maybe the, the worst way to get into comedy, <laughs> but I, I got into it cause I thought like, oh, wow, I could really make, you can really make an impact in comedy on social justice issues. I'm yeah. really like the free speech comedians nightmare scenario of like getting into comedy for social justice. But, um, but that's you were, what happened. You yeah. were a lawyer. But that's like where the, I was coming from. Yeah. I wasn't, I never, I wasn't like, um an artist of any kind. I was going to say, if you were like, one day you put on a wig and you looked in the mirror and you're like, I'm doing a character now and I'm going to leave all of this to go and be, you know, your aunt Sal. Like, I'd be like, oh, what I thought a you were like dread. a wig, like a court wig. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean like, like a, a I don't know, story, like, yeah. you know, a random wig and you're like, SNL is calling my name. Like, yeah, yeah. That would have been a weird, weirder, been a bigger huge jump. leap. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. the fact that you were like the Daily Show is calling to me. I get that. I, yeah, and I in the office, and I started mm-hmm. seeing my workplace as a sitcom. So I kind of my original idea, which is, and so many people I think see their workplace as a sitcom. Yeah. Granted, you gotta, or else it's gonna just, yeah, it's it's work. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, you have to find the humor, and yeah. and especially there in like such a dark environment. Um, I uh, and of course, like I gravitated to people who were had a dark sense of humor and those became my friends. And yeah. so we, there were a lot of absurd things that happened and, and, and darkly comedic moments. And so I thought, well, I'll write a sitcom that takes place in a war crimes tribunal. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of, this hasn't been done before, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things like a little bit of this and a little bit of that that have like courtroom shows and right. procedurals are super popular office shows are super popular. Like why not just combine, combine the two, them yeah. and just it be in an international setting. And um, so that was originally, I was like, I'll leave for, and I didn't know anything about comedy, obviously. So I was like, I'll just leave for like <laughs> two years. If I don't have like a sitcom and an HBO special, like I'll just be like, I guess it's not for me. And I'll go back to law. No big deal. So like, you gave yourself, you were like two years. That's, that's I my time. I had like two years of money that I could, you know, at that point, cash out my like gov- whatever pensions and things. And, and, um, at the time, like the Euro was like quite high and, and I changed it all into the Canadian dollars. And I had a girlfriend who lived in Montreal that I was in a long distance relationship with that she owned her house. So I just like was going to live with her. So there was that. It was all The tribunal was like limited in time. It was eventually, you know, going to close down. Mm-hmm. The government had like given me a leave so I could go back to the department of justice, but that seemed like definitely not what I wanted to do. And, um, and so I was like, I'll just take two years and see what I, 
if I have it, you That's know? That's so cool. Um, I mean, so it's- So brave. <laughs> so brave. You know what people say? Guys, I got a lot of, so- You're so, so brave. brave. And, yeah. You know, which is like not necessarily, depending on who it's coming from, I'm it's curious, not always like, a compliment. <laughs> what your family thought when, like when you had to call oh, your parents. Yeah. I mean, I don't know your parents, but mm-hmm. well, I've seen like some photos. they're like regular parents. I was yeah. like, they seem like nice Jewish people. <laughs> I'm like, wait. They are nice Jewish people who I've I've definitely put through a lot. Uh, who I, were walking down the street yeah. telling people, you had jobs you didn't even have. They were so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, she's leading the war. She's doing it. <laughs> no, it's always something like that. She's like, a revolutionary, our daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because my sister, um, now in their mind, it's like, oh, you're going to be secretary general or whatever. You know, my and my sister works has worked at McDonald's for a long time. And like, according to them, she's like, the CEO of right. the whole corporation. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but like conversely, like when it goes in a different direction, they're like very, you know, like when I started, my wife is Palestinian. When we started, when things got serious with her, mm-hmm. at first they were kind of cool about it because they never imagined that she would ever come out of the closet. So <laughs> only when she did and we decided to move to New York, that's when they, and it also like coincided with like the last war in Gaza. So they were, oh, no. so then, you know, they're like, oh, okay, you're going to be the leader of Hamas. Obviously, like this is what's happening. You know, like it's like, like it's always one extreme, right? Or, always extreme. Yeah. Oh man. So what did they say so when they, you were like they doing comedy? Uh, were not happy. <laughs> I guess <laughs> they didn't. You know, they weren't like at that age. Like, what are they going to do? They weren't like going to disown. There's not much they could really sure, do. Yeah. And I guess part of them was like, okay, well, let's li- like see what happens, and you know, like give her a little bit of time. And if I was like working and really like making things happen, then you know they'll they'll they were supportive. I think the idea of being a writer was not as terrible as being like, you know, up on stage mm-hmm. in front of drunk audiences. And you're like, well, it's uh, kind of both. Sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of both. Cause you know, it's it also at the beginning of comedy, you're like so bad. Well, and originally I wasn't necessarily going to go into stand up. It was like, I was going to take some writing classes, uh-huh. learn how to write a script, write this sitcom, whatever. But yeah. then I, uh, an, a comedy class popped up that a guy I knew hadn't seen in a while, was like, but was friends with on Facebook at the time. And, um, and he, I saw that he was doing this comedy class, stand-up mm-hmm. comedy class. And I'm like, that'll help me with script writing, you know, to know like dialogue and whatever. I didn't know anything. Anyway, so I, I, I got on stage and forget it. It was like bit by the bug. The sitcom totally felt like the writing totally fell back, you know, on the back burner because mm-hmm. stand-up is so much more immediate and fun and alcohol and meeting people. And, you know. Did the, you have a good first show when you did stand-up? It was, um, you know what? Actually, the very first one I did was in Holland and I don't even count it because um, <laughs> it wasn't something I was prepared for. I was going to do this open mic at uh, in Amsterdam. So I took the train after work from The Hague to Amsterdam um, to this place called the Comedy Cafe, which I think still is a place still. And um, I had a date like the next week for to do the open mic and uh-huh. some people from work were going to come. And I went the week before just to see what the place looked like and watch it. And then when I got there, they said that the next week was canceled for a private event, but I could go up that night. And I was like, oh, actually, well, good. You know, though nobody's here, but I didn't have any material other than just jokes about like the Dutch, you know, and Dutchmen and I don't know. They probably loved it. Except for that it wasn't, nothing was put in a punchline format at all. Right. So I kind of went upstream. One problem was that I got on stage. I'd never been under a spotlight and I didn't, like that I couldn't see anything and it felt hot. And so I decided to not stand underneath it. So <laughs> I was like next to it. They're all yelling in Dutch, move her over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, you know. And the people before me were, most of, the, most of them were talking, were doing comedy in Dutch. And it was so weird because you could hear the cadence of it where you're uh-huh. like, oh, that's the punchline, but you don't know what they're, you know. That's funny. Saying, and then I, it, it was a lot of just, it sounded like kind of just, talking because I didn't have, I hadn't written jokes, which is harder for people, even though their English is good. I think you need to be like very clear and simple in your language yeah. and that it's a joke. So the MC who was British, he gave me those two tips. One was stand in the spotlight and <laughs> the other one was like basically write jokes. Yeah. Find your light and do the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Such I mean, fair enough, you know. Um, but then the first time was like uh, an open mic and in Canada, in Montreal. And it was, I'm sure it was bad, but like I must've gotten one bit of a laugh on something and that was enough, enough. oxygen yeah. to like, whew, yeah. I feel like so many people do stand up 
and they have they go up for one show and they have a great audience and like you know or their friends come and support them and they're laughing really hard and they're like I'm a professional stand up now. This was perfect. This is I'm doing it it every night. Like yeah, yeah. And then you go through the you know then you go and do shows where you're like. I'm sorry. What what is this place? Where am I doing comedy? They don't yeah. they don't even care, and, you know. And you realize that you just don't have the command of the room when right. compared to other when something goes wrong. You yeah. don't know how to deal. Um, yeah, <laughs> but you need that delusion at the beginning to keep you going for sure. There's no way because nobody's with very few exceptions, nobody's good. Yeah, and also like people had there was an expectation that I was going to talk about like politics or be really smart or talk about like my time as a war crimes lawyer. And I mean, those are topics that you are like not one-on-one topics. So of course, like at the beginning, you're just so desperate to get a laugh. And, you know, I talked a lot about sex and sexuality, which, which is fine. Um, but it was like, not, I think what, but my parents certainly and like right, what people were, were like, wanting and, uh, but it was also. Cause I bet at the time they were like, Oh, well, John Stewart does it. She'll just yeah. do exactly what he's it, doing. It, it wasn't John Stewart material <laughs> at all. And then you get up and you're talking about like, so I had sex. <laughs> like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. And at the time I was, you know, going through relationship stuff and, you know, I, I was, I was, uh, uh, bisexual and I, I had a lot of material about bisexuality, which wasn't something, I mean, at the time, this was 10 years ago, like that I'd seen much mm-hmm. of. And, but of course there's such an implication that almost, that's almost like worse or more slutty than, than just saying you're gay. And, <laughs> and I mean, anyway, there was one night. I, I hate also, that, that that's, uh, but that is true, right? Not, like someone in an today, audience but, will think like, oh, they'll sleep yeah, with everyone. Yeah, instead yeah, of- yeah. Well, that's it. And, <laughs> no, exactly. And then I, I invited my mom and like my, my now stepfather, but like, so and this new man, my mother was dating who was like a lot older than her even. And I invite, cause they wanted to come. I didn't know enough not to let her come to shows. So once in a while she did. And this one, I was like, it was like a pretty good, it was a nice comedy club. I knew it would be packed. I knew that I thought the headliner would be decent, mm-hmm. you know, and up their alley there. Were, I, I, at that, this point I'd factored in a lot of variables. Sure. And the host who is very funny, dry one-liner woman who is gay and is out now, but Anyway, one of these people that wasn't out because she was older and like it wasn't acceptable. But like when she told me she wasn't out, it was strange because she seems so obviously gay. And I think everybody, anyway. But she told you, I'm not out. Yeah. I'm not out. I remember one night, one day backstage and it wasn't this show. She's like, I'm going to, I'm going to come out on stage tonight. And I was like, you're not out. Like, but you know, everybody (laughs) knows that you're gay. She'd say like my lover was like the Uh term she used for her partner. Anyway. Um, so she was hosting and I think drinking a bunch. And <laughs> after I got off stage, she said exactly that. She's like, Jess, give it up for Jess Solomon. She sleeps with everyone, you oh know? Oh my God. And my mother, who's also, for, I should mention from South America. So she really doesn't understand comedy, like in the same way as like North America. That was your do. intro. She was like, <laughs> that, that was like, I got off stage and my whole, my jokes about bisexuality were making fun of that stereotype. Yeah. And so I know why the host made that, you know, like that, you know, why she did that. And if my mom hadn't been there, it would have been no big deal. But my mom was like, why? How, I can't believe she said that, that about you and, you know, whatever. And anyway, like they, they had a, the, the last time, since then, I've only let her come to the Tonight Show. That's the first time right. she came in a lot of years because mm-hmm. it was always so It's also a clean, a clean five minutes that you know you're going yeah. to, you know exactly it every joke. It was clean, and, but I, they did allow me to say a lot of stuff. And I, you know, I did talk about being married to a Palestinian woman and I did have a couple of like kind of jokes that I was mm-hmm. um, surprised. And I, anyway, so yeah, but my mom got so excited about that Tonight Show and that became like a really legitimizing thing that she could now yeah, say to her huge. friends. It was like the world- Human Rights Tribunal moment. Right, exactly. She and doesn't have to say, well, she's doing a lot of mics and she hosts a couple <laughs> shows at these small basement theaters. Yeah. She could be like, you heard of Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, exactly. Boom, bitches. <laughs> but then like a couple nights before Fallon, as if I wasn't nervous, she started to get nervous because now she had told everyone <laughs> and it was going to be on such a big scale. Now I had the potential to embarrass her on like a very broad scale. And so she was like, well, um, you know, what, what do you... 
what are you going to be saying about Israel? And um, what, what do you, are you wearing something flattering? What are you wearing? You know, then it, she got nervous, you know, about what I was wearing. And uh, and anyways, luckily so it, it all worked out and uh, she, you know, enjoyed it. And I, it was it She was watches good. it every morning when she has a coffee, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she just plays yeah. that clip over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really funny. So you leave law, you mm. become a comedian. How long ago was this? So um, I guess it was 11 years ago I left. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years ago that I started comedy, the first year, um, I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't doing standup. I was like taking a a script writing class and figuring stuff out. Um, Did you ever write that pilot? So yeah, now I have, but it took a long time and I ended up bringing um, one of my my best friend in comedy that I'm not married to. uh, Her name is Deanne Smith, very funny comedian. She's she and I started writing it together. I had already kind it's of so started. so sweet that you were like, my best friend who I'm not married to. I know. Because I'm married to my best friend. <laughs> I have, in comedy. Yeah, my yeah. favorite, yeah. Well, when I started comedy, there was like, there was the woman that I just mentioned who was uh-huh. like Jess Solomon. She sleeps with everyone who was a bit more of a comedy veteran. And then the other women on the scene were my now wife and my best friend. That mm-hmm. was like, until like six months later, there was a few others that started uh, but we always label like as, as a comedian. I always label. I'm like, you know, my friend Danielle, my non-comedy friend Danielle. Yeah, she's yeah, my yeah, non-comedy yeah. friend. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> like, what does she do? Oh, she's a friend, but she's not a comedian. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. No, so, um, so Deanne, I kind of wanted somebody. Well, number one, she's very funny, and we like co-hosted shows together and have a similar sensibility. And I, I needed somebody from like the outside of that world who could, I was like too in it, you Mm -hmm. know, even though years had passed and I was like a lot more out of it. um, So she was able to be like kind of an outside perspective, although neither of us had real experience like writing on any shows or anything. Um, And last February we, we went to LA and we pitched it the pilot, the, we have a pilot script that we pitched to some cool. co- production companies. Nothing really. Um, we're going to go back and try again now uh, in February, actually. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, no, it was funny because, you know, some of those, we'd never done that before, the yeah. pitch thing. And um, and there was one that was like, just, it feels like a good show after you're on a high, like all the jokes land and whatever yep. and feel fresh. You haven't like re- started repeating the same jokes in meetings, like it, where it starts to feel canned. Yeah. But the worst meeting was... Um, my God. I mean, also we got there late in anyway, but the, the, who are we to like show up? Anyway, and, uh, and they're just like walking us out the door and, and they were, the woman was like, thank you so much for sharing your world with us. What? And I was like, oh my God, that is like a bomb. That's like a qualified bomb. I think <laughs> in that is. world of like, cause you know, they're still nice cause it's LA and it's right. all fake, but like, thank you so much for sharing your world. You were like, us. Like my, I'm sorry, we wrote a script. This I know. was work. This I know, isn't... and then it's just like the doors closed in the elevator. We were both like, oh my God. Oh my God, no. Bad. I can't, I can't. I uh, I was just there doing the same thing. Oh yeah? Yeah. Did anyone say that to you? No. Well, then you're winning. I think they said it in like an, a yoga class. So, you know, like, thank you for sharing your journey today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very like, much that same tone. Which I would want in a yoga class, you know, not a professional Fair. meeting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to know if you've ever had to do any like weird jobs since being a lawyer. Like, um, or if it's only been comedy have you ever had to have you ever taken any like gigs or anything that you're just like what am I doing right now to make money this is bizarre I'm I mean just like bad comedy gigs really or like a lot of things that didn't kind of go anywhere like radio stuff or Mm -hmm. um pit I'm trying to think of anything really weird um that's okay if it you just didn't. Transla- no, I, an yeah. inspiration right now. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't have to do a lot of anything super weird for money. Then um, what was like, is there anything specific maybe from the pilot that sticks out that was weird at your job that you were like, this is so funny, that you joke about on stage or that oh, you Oh, would- about the tribunal? Yeah. I mean, it's just the 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 characters because the, uh, the that are the war criminals because these are all guys who were very powerful men. They don't, it's not like they're common criminals with a, a record or mm-hmm. they've never been in jail before or really dealt with the justice system. And they're all quite like a bit older than a regular prison population. Yeah. And so, and a lot of them were from different sides of the conflict and they end up together in this detention center in The Hague. And it's just so 
interesting to see how they how they interact and how like that those hierarchies play out, you know, like in the gym or whatever. Sure. And you have like <laughs> the guy that's, you know, the head of the military obviously shows up and it's like he wants a treadmill the lower level guys out, you know, <laughs> but they're like, they have ceramics class and they have, you know, their birthday parties and stuff. But, um, a lot, it's like, it's like the banality of, of evil, you know, cause yeah. they're really not dangerous prisoners, right. but they committed terrible. They're thing. alleged to have, you know, and, yeah. and did, you know, I don't even need to throw the word alleged around the tribunals finished its work and we, you know, the, the judgments are out, but, um, you know, massive crimes against humanity and these, uh, but, but on then Tuesdays there are, they get to like it's like, yeah, pottery it's like, like pottery <laughs> time. And then a lot of it is just them trying to use all of the, the rights that they have at, you know, and, and the due process that the UN is upholding, use that to obstruct the process, like the the, right. the system as much as possible. So, I mean, one time for like, you know, one of them went on hunger strike and we got the medical report back and it just said that he needed to lose weight. You know, it was like, <laughs> that was like the whole That's thing. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So it's really the big personality types uh, yeah. that you find there um, is where a lot of the comedy came from. Gotcha. And also on the side of the judges and the, uh, pro, you know, Mm-hmm. the prosecutor and stuff that was there. Carla Del Ponte, she was quite a character. <laughs> Very much like a like a shorter, like more dowdy Donatella Versace. <laughs> like yeah. she was, a, she dealt you. with the like the Italian mafia. That was like what she did before she got there. And so she... Um, she like used that to justify needing like a lot of very attractive, beefy security detail around mm. her at all times. And, you know, she was very, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait till I have ego. lots of security around me at all times. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah. walking into Starbucks and I'm just like, yeah, 12 people. No. Well, this is it. Like we really, I mean, in our, in our pilot, we really am that stuff. I love that. Have them like open, you know. My friend was at, this is totally off subject. My friend was at a, a, ice cream parlor in the Lower East Side and Kim Kardashian and Kanye West walked in. She's like, it was really weird. Like we were just sitting at a table eating ice cream. (laughs) Like a whole group of people surrounding them like came in and they stayed and sat and ate their ice cream. I'm like, and all these people, she's like, they were just standing around them like so they could just sit and eat ice cream. I was like, what? What is this life? Yeah. I was like, also like to get a scoop of ice cream, like you don't need to go through all of that. Like, I mean, could they're just not the president. Like, are, do they have like actual threats against them? Like, no idea. Well, you remember the Paris thing that happened. Oh, right, right, so right. So probably now she always has it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. Crazy to me. Um, I wanted to know since you did take like this podcast, I do this for people who are unemployed or people mm-hmm. who are like at a job and they feel stuck. Yeah. So I feel like, do you have any advice for people who are in that situation where mm-hmm. if there's something you really want to do and you feel passionate inside, like what would you tell yourself, I guess, 10 years ago, you know, 11 years ago, whenever you did it, like, well, or tell someone now. Yeah. Sometimes people are stuck. <laughs> I, t- you know, I, just friends or whatever people, you know, um, I've spoken to you. That's like a common thing. I think you can't, you need to have like to leave a job, um, you know, where it's just like, where it's okay. You know, like for me, this was sort of my dream job. And, yeah. and there are a lot of things I loved about it. Sure. Um, I enjoyed the international environment. I liked the people that I worked with. I wasn't like billing, you know, hours and right. working in corporate. So like there was uh, some purpose, you know, to it. And uh, uh, outside of the, let's say the law was connected to like, history and politics and other things. Yeah. But um, I didn't love law itself that much. It was like kind of creatively stifling. And um, I didn't think it was really for me in the long run, but it's not like I couldn't keep doing it. Sure. So you you kind of have to, it can't just be like the like, oh, I don't really, like you need to have the pull towards something else, I think. Like there's yeah. a push and a pull kind of. So for me, the push was just that like, I just, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't passionate about it. And then as time went on, I was sort of going down this road outside of work hours where I was like exploring comedy and, Mm -hmm. and starting to, um, try to like keeping notes and trying to starting to write like what, you know, I wrote like, for example, like a spec script for the office while I was there and stuff. Anyway, so you, you know, I think explore what you can of, if, of, but you got to start it while you still have the other job. (laughs) Usually. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you have some kind of crazy cushion or whatever, I'd say, Yeah. Um, do whatever you can of the new job. Um, but that overlapping thing is, uh, 
it can be challenging. It's so obviously. hard. Yeah. We had another guest on who was a therapist and then she became, uh, she started her own baking company because she loves to bake. Yeah. And she said that she was baking all night and then going to work in the day and then bake. I mean, you were doing that. It's you were going to it, do comedy at night and working in the day. It definitely suffers, you know. Once I realized that I wasn't going to stay there and I was just staying the last year to like make money with the idea and saving with the idea that I was like, going to do this thing and spending time once, cause then you're not giving everything to law and I'm not right. doing everything. And, and it's a competitive environment to try to get the next job and move, you know, up the ladder and uh, w- against my peers and whatever, you're sort of just kind of floating. And when you're floating in a job, it's like never great. Yeah. Um, the thing that was hard though, when I left and I didn't do it overlapping too much, um, was it's like a very bad period for your like identity and self-confidence if you find self-worth in your work, because there's this number of years where you start to like, you're not, you've lost touch with the old job and Mm -hmm. career. And you're like, so you're worse and worse at that. And the prospect of going back becomes harder and harder, but you're not like good or established at the new thing. Yeah. So those years are are hard because you're kind of not good at anything. (laughs) On a lower, Between the two. I, I completely relate to this on a different level. I wasn't a lawyer or anything. I'm so sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> no, my dad's a lawyer and he told me never become a lawyer. But I worked in restaurants for seven years and I said I was going to quit by a certain age and I did. And But I worked for these big, big name chefs, these big yeah. fucking fancy places. And I just remember when I was unemployed at, years later after I lost my day, I was like five years out of restaurants, but I lost this day job that were I had. Were you cooking or were you- No, I was the maitre d'. Okay. Mm-mm. She okay. ran the front of the house. Right, um, right. Yeah, no, but I worked for like Tom Colicchio of Top Chef and Jean George and you name mm-hmm. it and like whatever. It was, so I had a great restaurant resume. And when I was unemployed after this day job that I had for four years that I lost- my mom was like, well, you better go and, you know, take that resume around town. I mean, you could walk into, and, and I probably could walk into any restaurant with the experience I had, like get a job there, but I refused to do. I was like, yeah. no, like I made that choice. Like I'm not, I'm not going back. I would rather like do random stuff and like, you know, or random shows or whatever I can do in my field than to walk into a fancy restaurant and get sucked back in. Cause I yeah. was just like, I was removed from it. I was like, no, I'm done. I don't yeah. even print it. I don't even want to print the resume. I, I know. Care. It's hard because you had this very good resume, yeah. but it's useless to you <laughs> in anything else. You know, like for me, like what, you know, and I, like, what am I going to send, you know, my my resume that I'm like a lawyer here and there to a, to be a writer's assistant on a TV right. show? I mean, like I, I did, it didn't go anywhere. You know, it's not, also, it wasn't. Also some people, when you do that, some people will say, oh, you're too, you're overqualified for this job. Like you've yeah. been a professional, you get that all the time. And you're like, no, I, I just want this job. Like, yeah, no, I, no, I, no, I can absolutely. do this job well. I don't, I'm not overqualified if I'm here trying to get it. Like, right. Mm. Yeah. No, no, no. That's definitely a thing. Um, and there's, there was a moment like a couple of years into comedy where I, was like, I want to go back to the UN. And well, mostly because I was like, I want to come to New York. And I'm like, that could be a good way to do it. And I'll apply for a job at the UN that isn't, um, like it was actually, there was a there was a couple of jobs I applied to. But anyways, at one point I got through to um, the like phone interview, which is basically like your own speakerphone right. with people here in New York. And um, they, they just could tell that I wanted to come to New York to do comedy. I mean, they knew I'd been out of the game. They knew I'd been doing comedy. I wasn't like lying about it because I mean, I didn't have anything to explain otherwise. Yeah. Unless I like made up a baby and maternity leave, which I'm only thinking of an idea right now, but (laughs) (laughs) that probably would be bad. That's next. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and they're like, you know, oh, so like, tell us a joke or something. Like, it was like, I, I just was like, oh. they were like, oh, you're going to tell us something funny. I don't know, something like that. And, Ugh. and it's like going I on just, a date with someone who doesn't do comedy and they're like, tell us your funniest joke. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No. Which is annoying. And you're like, okay, forget it. But right. I was like, I'm cooked. Like, there's no way they're going to, they're, yeah. they're not taking me. And, uh, I don't even know why we're bothering with this phone interview, but oh, we knew. I, and I think I just was like, oh, it's too early and no one's been drinking. So <laughs> next question. You know? Oh God. I had to go in for a temp job and, uh, and it was like, um, they told me, do not put anything creative on your resume. This is for an assistant position at a law uh, firm, but it was like decent hours, like good pay. And I could leave at five and go do my nights of yeah. comedy. And I left one thing on 
that like I wrote copy for something, but it was like some creative place. And I thought that was good just so they know I can write, you know, because yeah. it said you need to be good, a good writer and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, this is the most creative resume we have ever seen. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I stripped it. Like yeah. nothing was on it. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I once in a while as a hobby, I occasionally will, you know, go to a open mic and they're like, oh my. And then they said she didn't get the job. She, we thought we'd, she just wanted to do performing. And yeah. I was like, I didn't even say it. Yeah. They must have Googled me. I'm we, sure. And oh, they were yeah, like, maybe that's it. She got an acting resume and she's you know, got you know, a I website. Re- I regret so much not having a stage name because like in those years, right. it, it would be you wouldn't worry about that, right? Yeah. Like you could That's keep so those two. And and I remember thinking, but and it got not, it wasn't too late really, but with coming over the border before we had uh, papers, you know, coming over, you're just doing open mics and whatever. And uh, one time, like they asked us what we, they just, you know, they, I don't know how they, if we said we did comedy, but we weren't doing comedy in New York, or we just said writer, or I don't know what, you mind said she worked at a bar and at the comedy club. Anyway, they Googled us, they pulled us over, they Googled <laughs> us. And then they saw that like we had, and I think at the time, like on my website, I'd put like maybe some open mics I was doing or uh-huh. something or And anyway, they saw it? Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, oh, you're going to work and you don't have a visa. And it was, um, and Shit. I had to explain to them that like these things aren't paid and like, and then You're I'm like, I'm getting paid in drinks. Like, yeah. <laughs> if, and, and, or like, and like in a lot of cases you have to pay. Then I, I started showing them like bad Slava, which I don't know if you know that, yeah. but like, yeah, a website of like open mm-hmm. mics. And, um, and I'm like, look, and some of them are, you have to pay. And I mean, it got to the point where they're like, why are you? doing this? Like, why do you do this with your life? You know, like, and I was oh, get like, a real job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're like, Ooh. that's so crazy at the border. Mm. And you're trying to explain like, I'm a comedian. No, I don't have an HBO special yet, but one day. And I'm just coming to New York basically to like, like network and like research yeah. and whatever with the idea that I want to see what it is before, you know, investing in this is your uh, next green card. card. You know, the guys at the border who <laughs> I become mean, your biggest fans because they're like, um, Oh my God. But we that's, met them when. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, we had some trouble and, and it took a while to get out of the, the system and, you know, it was, it was fine. And, and in the end, obviously, but um, <sighs> it was a, it was a pain because you get, you get put on a, like kind of a list, not like a terrorist list, but like definitely a list that gets flagged when you comment. Those it takes a while to get Solomons, on it, man. Oh You're on God. that blacklist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my wife is like a real hothead. So I'm like begging her not to say anything, you know, and, uh, and <sighs> not to freak it. Let me do the talking, you know? And of course, yeah, that first time it was this, it was a woman. They're always, you know, I don't know if they're like trying to prove that they're like tough or they're, you know, but it's much always, it's always much worse with a female. Wow. I feel border. I'm very big feminist, but uh, I, I have had a better experience with men at the at the border. Mm-hmm. Um, who then, yeah, they get like they're like, ooh, maybe I'll see. Like literally, the next guy was like, oh, hopefully I'll see you on TV soon. And, right? You know, <laughs> you're like, here, let me autograph this for you. This yeah, will yeah, be worth yeah. something. Yeah, give me another year. Um, cool. Well, this was amazing. You're an inspiration. I really wow. believe that. No, it's true. It's really scary to like when you're doing well and you have a great salary and you have contacts and you're all set up and then to be like, to follow your gut and to do something that's, you know, most people say is the hardest thing in the world, right? To, yeah. to be a performer, comedian, or I don't know, to people get up on stage. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, what else would I do? And they're like, that's yeah. so crazy. Um, so yeah, thank you for being here and doing this. Yeah. Thank do you, you. want to call someone with me? Sure. Do you feel like we'll, we're going to take a, a quick second, but so we're going to, I, I always go on Twitter, uh, where, you know, the best people live and <laughs> I wanted to, I just ask, I said, who's unemployed and could use a pep talk. Um, because I'm trying to yep. make this, you know, I want people to feel uh, positive after, you know, during their unemployed times, I guess. And, uh, we are going to call Catherine, and Catherine told me she's been out of work since April. She was in radio, but they let me go after I became a liability and have had problems finding work, and Thanksgiving time, my family kept asking me when I'm going to get a job. Mm. So even though this is coming out after the holidays, I can relate to that. Not not having a job around the holidays with family members who have no idea what you do is very tough. So that's kind of why I wanted to call 
Catherine. Oh my God. Also everyone with their end of year, like a now end of decade <laughs> list of accomplishments. And Catherine's just like, eh. Right? They were all like, I got a bonus for Christmas. And she's like, I need to find insurance. Um, Hopefully she has love. We'll find out. We will find out. All right. Hello? Hi, is this Catherine? Yes, it is. Hi, this is Anna calling. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm with my friend Jess right now. She's on the podcast. You're on the pod. Hi, Catherine. Hello. Thank you so much for being my guest today. So I wanted to get a little more background. For those who don't know, you were laid off from a job, correct? Or let go from a job. Yes. And how how long have you been unemployed? Um, about six months. Six months. And what you know what I loved when you responded on Twitter, you said your family members, because it's Thanksgiving time, it's holiday time, your family members are asking, when are you going to get a job? Which I am all too familiar with, right? It's that time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really annoying. I, um, I was at my grandparents and my sisters, we did like Thanksgiving at my grandparents at noon and then my sisters in the evening. And I just had the same conversation like over a half dozen times. It was like starting to really annoy. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. And how do you handle it? What do you tell them? Do you just say, I'm working on it? Like, leave me alone? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a screenplay at the moment. And I try to tell them, like, I'm, I'm looking for work. And I'm also trying to better myself. And now that I have all this free time, I can, like, finally get work done on my screenplay. Yeah. And, but they're like, you need to get a real job. Uh, we've been talking about this because Jess used to be a lawyer. Yeah, that was a real job, <laughs> uh, according to, <laughs> you know. According to family members, that's mm -hmm. a real job, right? Yeah. But creative stuff is just a dream. Uh, yeah. But you did it. She did. She I, left. I did. I left. <laughs> and uh, I mean, this is 10 years later. I'm a full-time comic. So and they, 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 they respect it. Or I, I don't know. They don't ask me when I'm gonna when I'm gonna quit. At least, so that's something. Did anyone in your family offer any uh, any help, any uh, words of wisdom, any encouragement? Yeah, they're they're they're. They, my grandma's like, I'm I'm praying for you every night to get a job. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. oh, thanks, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I always get uh, I'm always getting like Facebook messages or texts from family members. Oh, look, here's a here's a radio job in in town for you or. Here, here's a job with the Oscar Mayer Wiener people. They're, they want a driver. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fun. They're That's throwing anything range, your way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anything, basically, at this point, yeah. What were you doing in radio? I was a promo tech. I would, like, show up to events and, like, give out free stuff for the radio stations I worked for. Um, but I was also, like, side doing side stuff with them uh, on their night shows. Um, so I went to school for I went to school for, for multimedia journalism. Cool. And it, it's like my passion. And so there's like only four big radio companies here in, in the town in San Antonio where I live. And so like, I feel like who I, the, the boss that let me go, like was talking with everyone else. And it's been very difficult finding anything here in town. Mm -hmm. That's tough. What is like, what is the dream job? If you could have your dream job, what would that be? My, my own show. Um, your own radio show. Preferably. Yes, preferably something syndicated, making lots of money in lots of markets. Right. Not just Texas. You want everyone to hear that voice. Yes. What kind of stuff would you have on, would you talk about on your show? Um it'd be it'd be like a day-to-day -day, uh, advice thing. Um something like uh uh like a like a, a talk show with like a Good Morning America talk show type of thing with daily news and uh with guests and mm -hmm. just uh bringing on people with life problems that I, I, I'd hope to like help them with through like something like you've been doing with, with this. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was unemployed for like two years and it feels good to ha talk with other people about it. And like to just commiserate over these terrible job stories and people who treated us like shit. And you're just like, I have bigger Misery and better. Yeah. Bigger and better plans. Like it's, you know, there's a community out there and it's like, sometimes you lose a job for reasons that are out of your control, you know, layoffs or whatever. And I don't know, you need, a, I wanted to have a safe space for people to feel like, oh my God, I've been there. Like, 
I've been to Thanksgiving dinner where they're like, what are you going to do for money? You know, it mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine, what kind of advice would you give yourself if you Ooh. had you on your dream show? Oh, yeah. I'd tell myself to keep at it. Um, the rejections, it's just one more to add to the pile. Like, yep. keep going. You only need one yes. It's so true. And once once you have have that, you'll feel better. I just I feel like um and I, that the you you do need to get some rejections to get the the good yes. Any story I've ever heard of somebody getting the thing always involved a lot of uh, rejections along the way. So yeah. it feels like maybe you've already you're getting closer to the yes because you've already gotten through all those rejections. Yeah. Yeah, we got to build our thick skin, you know, this industry, anything creative, radio show or writing a screenplay, we're going to hear, what was Lady Gaga's famous quote? Uh, 99 people are going to tell you no, but (laughs) one person in a room (laughs) is all you need. And that person is Bradley Cooper. And I think that's what, that's the moral of my story. All we need is Bradley Cooper to say yes to our one, (laughs) to the one job. Do you remember that? She said, I do. I saw people like clip. uh, The super cut. Yeah. yeah, Of all all the interviews. (laughs) No, I honestly, can I just say that I've talked to a lot of unemployed people, both on this podcast and uh, and on the show. And like, you seem, your spirits seem to be high. Like you can laugh about the fact that your family is like, you know, praying for you or sending you funny job listings. And you're like, I can't, I know what I'm doing here. It's just, it doesn't, t- it doesn't happen overnight. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's constant hard work and hustling. Yeah. But that's you, the only way to make it. You got to hustle. Would you move out of mm-hmm. San Antonio like, or would you extend? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I've spent like the better part of the last two months. Like I've, 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 I haven't given up looking for work here, but like I've, I've put out feelers in like Abilene, which is like North Texas and some places in Arizona, places in, uh, like Knoxville and Tennessee, they've got open markets. Uh, I feel like would be fun to work in and nice. it'd be different. That's great. As long as you're, yeah. you know, you're keeping your eyes open for every everything. I have a feeling this will happen for you. I really do. And I'm not just saying that to be like a fairy godmother or anything. Like the fact that you're hustling, you're working, you know, you can put your family aside. You know, you have, you went to school for this. You've worked yeah. in radio. Like you obviously have a decent resume. So you know, all you need is that one angle, right? That good title of your radio show. <laughs> And it's it's such a yeah. market thing because I I mean the few people that I know that work in radio have really um, this happens a lot and they uh, to really talented people um, that I've seen like get cut for whatever reason and then you know maybe move to a different city and then end up like landing somewhere really cool but like um, it seems like it's it's kind of a feature of this of the radio industry. It seems to be the market is shrinking lately. And so the future, I, I, I actually had a conversation with my, with my, one of my former coworkers at my last job. I feel like the, the future in, in over the air communication is, is podcasting. Mm-hmm. And cause everyone, everyone's got a uh, Spotify or Apple music now. So no one's really turning on the car radio anymore. And so a lot of the, I, I feel like that's another reason the jobs are really hard to find is there, whoever's got a show right now, that's, that's it. And the the future is 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 podcasts you you build your online following that way and that's that's another thing i've been looking into is is building uh like a brand and audience yeah, yeah. i was gonna that was literally what i was gonna cut you off with before i was gonna say have you thought about <laughs> like putting your work out you know because it is easy to we're literally sitting in brian's apartment right now recording this podcast and it's you know it's chill. I don't have shoes on, you know? Have you thought about <laughs> trying to put your voice out, you know, by interviewing a couple people you know or friends and, you know, giving them advice that you would want to hear, you know, you would want for your radio show? Yeah, like um I I've I've toyed with the idea of doing doing a podcast. Um I just I I haven't hit that level of oh no, I need to do it now yes <laughs> well when you don't no need to rush it you don't need to wake up and say i need to do it today <laughs> you'll get there but i do have a friend and she now has a show on sirius xm radio you've heard of them and but she had a podcast for like only for like a year but it was great and you know people really latched on and then this opportunity was available in radio and 
So she doesn't do the podcast anymore, but she transferred to radio. So I do think it's almost like, you know, we shoot stuff on our phones and make these fun little videos or whatever. And then, you know, that ends up becoming a TV show later on. Like there is a way for you to, you could even record on your phone and put it out on the internet. You don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be the fanciest podcast in the world. And and then someone will say yes. You don't, gonna... you don't need Brian's apartment. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, well, this was great. I hope we've given you a little bit of, uh, you know, oomph, a little bit of, uh, what's the word I'm pep. looking for? Pep, uh, the pep, pep talk, pep the positive vibes. Well, keep me posted on social media. If you do, you know, launch any type of podcast or whatever, or start interviewing people, you know, let me know. I would love to hear it. And I'm rooting for you. I am, right, I am too, you. for the record, Catherine. I'm here I'm here rooting for you. Yeah, we're your first two guests. Yeah. You hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, you sound like you've got a really good head on your shoulders. And uh, <laughs> and I, you, you, I, I'm, I, you're, you're inspiring me now. Yeah. I feel, yeah. Dope. Dope. <laughs> yeah, and tell your family, you know what? Just calm down. Wait till you see what I have coming. You know, tease it. Don't give them any information when the, when, when Christmas. Drop a trailer. Yeah, when Christmas comes around, just like send them like, I don't know, some like crazy Instagram, you know, TikTok, whatever video and just be like, my shit's going to be better than this. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for chatting. I hope we will Thank speak you to you soon. And good luck. All right. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Bye. She Honestly, awesome. yeah, like I love when I call people who are like, I'm unemployed and it sucked. We didn't talk about the freezer. We didn't talk about the freezer. I forgot. She said a we freezer fell on her at it's work. True. We didn't get the details of the, the laid off. Uh, that's okay. It was kind of inspiring to hear, you know, like someone talk about their dreams. But uh, I do find when we call these people, I'm like, fuck, I, I cry every day. And I'm like, always like, you're doing a terrible job. And everyone I call who's like, I've been unemployed for six months. And I'm like, you seem really calm. And Zen. Yeah. I want to eat what you're eating. I don't know what yeah. it is. Well, she sounds like her family's like pretty okay. Yeah. And is there. Um, I love that. Like, you, I just love that idea. I mean, a lot of motivating. This is not maybe healthy, but for me is, is spite for the people that didn't believe. Sure. You know what I mean? I me think, too. Yeah. I guess that's normal. That's, I'm always like, that, I hope all my exes see, you know, listen to this podcast I'm on. <laughs> people, people who doubted me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she seems like she has it. But yeah, radio is brutal. I think it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough time for radio, network TV. I mean, all everyone that, is kind of just media. like, right. Because yeah. we can literally sit in apartments and make content for people. And like, I love that we're like talking to her um, in a podcast that's just like a self-made, yeah, in Brian's apartment. <laughs> and we're like, this is why you're right. losing your job in radio. Although I was very <laughs> impressed. She said, well, Brian is falling asleep because, but you lit up when she was like, you know, like Good Morning America. And because Brian works for Good Morning America. I oh, was really? Like, I didn't know that. Yeah. And okay, I was like, oh, good. Weird. They didn't say Today Show. Or otherwise we'd have fucking hung up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is the episode for the day. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, you are wonderful. Pleasure. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. We You're could. Great. Yeah, this was great. Um, I hope everybody listens to all of the other episodes of The Unemployed Show. Don't forget to subscribe and like and review. Review. And also don't forget to follow Jess. Where can they find you? Where can we find you? Um, so I'm online. Uh, She's online. I'm <laughs> online. Uh, I have a website, JessSolomon.com. Okay. S-A-L-O-M. M-O-N. And um, so I've got like dates there of shows. Great. Um, social media, Jess underscore Solomon. I didn't get there before the underscore. And I have a fun cartoon account with my wife, who's uh, also a comedian. And that's called at the L Solomon's E-L-S-A-L-O-M-O-N-S. And uh, we put out a new cartoon every every week. We've been doing it for two years. And our illustrator, Jesse Brown. Yeah, so he's, it's, they're really cute. Every week it's like he draws a new uh, That's so uh, great. little like, vignette of our of our life. Um, so it's like relationship stuff. Some of it's political, some of it's gay, some of it's, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. Cool. They're cute. Tell your wife, I'm a big fan. I've never actually met her. Oh, yeah. But her. I've seen her comedy. So very I'll funny. Let her know. Power duo, honestly. Thank you. The L. Solomons. All right, cool. You can find me at Anna Roisman uh, all over the place or, you know, find me on your phone when I host HQ. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, bye until next time. Bye.